The following program is sponsored by Dan Witham, LPL Financial. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. The opinions represented during this show may not necessarily represent those of KRMG or Cox Media Group. Your host is Dan Witham, a financial advisor with offices at 8516 East 101st Street, Suite C in Tulsa. His office phone number is 918-398-8387. Dan is a branch manager with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Now here's Money Talk on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Good Sunday morning. My name's Russell Mills and this is... Is a money talk in the studio with me today, as pretty much every darn Sunday. We've got Mr. Steve Money and your host for Money Talk, Mr. Dan Witham. If you've got questions for us today, you can text us at 95920. And my first question for Dan every week Dan, what book are we giving away this week? Well, this is a great book, Russell. Okay. I don't think we have, I'm pretty sure I haven't given away this book. At least I don't think I have ever. I could be wrong, but I've done so many books. This book is called Dividend. <clears throat> Dividend investing made easy. Get a steadily increasing cash flow from America's best companies. And I'm going to give you a great example during the show of a person who did just this and was very good at it. But anyhow, CD rates go up and CD rates, certificate of deposit rates go down, as you know. But dividends for America's best companies basically increase year in and year out for many, many years. And I did some research, Steve, for today's show. And 20 years ago, one-year CDs were at almost 5%. That's pretty stunning, actually. Today, they're below one on the national average, below 1%. So they've dropped quite a bit, obviously, over that time. Which is below the rate of inflation. Yes. A lot. So yes. you're kind of not really you're, helping yourself by You're losing ground in CDs is what I'm trying to say in a nice way. But anyhow, dividends, you know, increase year after year. And if you buy, this book is about how to find quality companies, blue chip companies that grow their dividends every year. And there's a list of them. There's some that have grown their dividends every year for over 25 years, some as long as 50 and 60 years that are on the list in this book. And basically, it talks about how to set up your portfolio, which dividend stocks are the safest ones to own, which ones you want to avoid, and how to supercharge your returns, along with how to profit from a bear market, excuse me, a bear market. And we will send you a copy of this book. Plus, I went and found the author's list of recommended stocks, and we will send you that as well. We'll send the list uh, out to you of all the stocks that he recommends with a report that covers them, shows you the returns for them over the last 10 or 20 years. And it's all free. Just give me a call at 918-398-8387. That's 918-398-8387. This book is called Dividend Investing Made Easy. It's a great book all about dividend investing and how to do it. And a lot of people do like to buy dividend stocks, and they just don't know how to do it a lot of times. And sometimes they'll buy stocks that are bad choices that have super high yields, but they're falling in price, you know, and so you got to be careful which stocks you want to buy, which ones you want to avoid. Uh, and that's part of things that are covered in the book, which I think is very important, which ones to avoid. But the list of stocks I have, and I've looked at them, and they're blue chip companies that the person has recommended, the author has recommended. They're all blue chip companies, all very, very good performers in the long run. And companies, uh, you know, in the S&P 100, I would say, so they're they're probably going to be around for a while. So let me ask you something. You, you said they may be paying high yields. Right. That's the dividend part, right? But the value of the stock itself is falling. So let's let's make sure people understand that's two different things. Yes. 
Now that's not on the list I'm referring to that that we're right, going to send right, them. Right, right, right. But in, in but there general. are some stocks out there. Yes, there are some companies that are paying very high dividends in order to entice people to buy their stock. But their stock price is falling because they're not profitable at the same time. So you're making the dividend less what you're losing on the actual value of the stock. So right. that could be a little deceptive. Yes. Yeah. In some cases, they're losing money. Like I had a gentleman who called me years a couple of years ago and wanted to buy some uh, oil and gas stock that paid like a 20% dividend. But it fell 30% in six months, the price of it did. So I said, you know, don't don't buy this. This is a bad idea. Of course, his response, Steve, was, I'm watching it closely, so there's not so much risk to it. As long as you watch, that's all. Yeah, as long as you watch it fall, it's okay. you watch that train <laughs> coming down the tunnel. That's what I was going to say. Watch the Titanic. What could go wrong, you know? Uh, so, yeah, you have to be careful about which stocks you buy. But what, the, what this person that wrote this book is advocating is buying some blue chip stocks and holding them for a very, very long time. And just letting the dividends increase each year and letting your stock price go up and just accumulating wealth over a long period, which is a very sound strategy if you follow it. Only if you follow it. You know, if you cut and run in 08, you can't do that with this kind of strategy. You've got to hold those through the 08 markets and you should stay with them and stay invested. The nice thing about dividends and what you'll see is if you have a year like 2008 and you have dividend stocks, your principal may fluctuate, but your income will stay relatively the same. Does that make sense? Because your dividends really don't change unless the companies cut their dividends. Right. But your dividends stay the same, so you're still getting the same amount of check every month. Your principal may fluctuate down in a year like 08, but eventually it will come back up, of course, as the market recovers. And in the meantime, you didn't miss any income if you're spending the dividends or living off the income from the dividends. And if you're reinvesting the dividends, well, when an 08 happens, that's when you really want to reinvest your dividends because you're buying them cheaper, buying the stock cheaper, obviously, at a lower price. And so it's a, it's a very sound philosophy if it's followed correctly. And the difficulty most people have is distinguishing which ones are the good stocks, that, like on this list that we're talking about, Russell, versus the ones you made reference to about the bad ones that fall in price, you know, lose 20 or 30% and have a good dividend, but are still falling. And so what I always do, go back and look at the chart, look at the company. Do I, and the, and the list, the companies on this list, you'll know who they are. I mean, they're companies, you know, like American Express and a few of those companies like that. They're well known. And you don't have to really worry about them going out of business. The other companies that you were talking about earlier that, that have fallen in price 20 or 30 percent, uh, they're they're probably on the edge and, and headed toward uh, the funeral home, shall we say, <laughs> of stocks, if you know what I mean, the extinction point. So if you have a company that's paying high dividends to entice you in, I suspect, right. the price is going down to their stock. Where's the money coming from to pay those high dividends? Are they just taking that out of their cash? Or- well, that's a good point. Dividends, you don't have to have enough earnings to cover dividends, believe it or not. You can make a dollar a share. A company can make a dollar a share and pay out a dollar fifty in dividends. Yes, it's they're allowed to do that. It's not smart. Kind of like the, the government. Yeah, they're allowed to do that. <laughs> what happens is every year, Steve, a company if a, if a company makes three dollars, let's say this year they make three dollars a share, they have two items where the, that money can go: either retained earnings or to dividends. So if they right. pay out a dollar fifty in dividends, then they have a dollar fifty in retained earnings. Gotcha. And so they can pile that money forward, and then if times get lean and they don't make the dollar fifty next year, they can take it out of retained earnings and pay it out to shareholders, which is what some companies have done in the past. Those are the companies you want to watch out for, and that's one of the things the book will tell you is you look at there's a thing called dividend coverage ratio which means how much of their earnings above what the dividend is so if the dividend's one and the earnings are three dollars you have a three to one coverage does that make sense so when the uh companies don't pay their fair share crowd are on the march <laughs> that's where the money comes from if, if if you want them to pay more taxes okay that's fine just understand you're the company's not paying a darn thing right they're either taking money away from the the owners 
which are frequently teachers' pensions, firemen's pensions, yes. all kinds of pensions. They're taking money out of their pocket so they can pay their fair share. Now, they've already paid tax on that, but let's let's make them pay even more so it'll be fair. How much more? We don't know. We just know that it's more. And Or, or they take it out of the profit, which means less jobs, less this, less that. Right. That's or they it, pass it on to the consumer. Yes. Or they pass it on yes. to the consumer. That's Absolutely. right. That's right. So just understand when you're marching in the streets for them to pay their fair share, you're the one paying it. Are you talking about oil companies? I, I was, you know what? I was just getting ready to say that. You want them to pay their fair share? Look at the gas prices, the pump prices right. here in just the last couple of weeks. Yes. Well, your pump prices will go up and or their dividends or earnings will go down at the same time yep. or a little bit of both, you know, yep. some, some combination thereof, which is normal. Uh, but you see that in any industry where if an industry gets hit with a higher tax rate, whatever it might be, they're going to have less dividends and or a higher cost of the product that they sell. They've got to offset it somewhere. But then that road leads back leads back to the Laffer curve because right. taxes are necessary. I mean, nobody debates that. They're necessary. But watch that rate where you have the point of diminishing returns that people just quit producing oil or they quit building yachts or they quit building cars. They quit making television sets. They just right. quit because it's just not worth it anymore. Or they just do like Ford does and import passenger vans or, and convert yep. them to cargo vans, yep. you know, to get around the tariff yep. like they did, have done for years. Yep. And they'll, they'll find a way around it. And there's a reason there's CPAs and attorneys all over the country that specialize in this kind of stuff yep. because companies will pay the money to do it. Uh, and for some companies, it's, it's very well worth it. You know, companies pay millions and millions of dollars in, in uh, income and other taxes. And they want, they will go to great lengths to avoid that if it's punitive, if they view it as punitive. I don't know that this has a whole lot to do with what we're talking about, but I was in uh, Monterey, Mexico a long time ago, and I was in this facility that put T-shirts together. It's a huge facility. They actually got the parts of the T-shirts, like the sleeves in a box and the trunk in a box or whatever. They would ship that down to uh, Monterey. Monterey would sew the T-shirt pieces together and then send it back to wherever they came from in the United States. Why do you do that? because it's cheaper for the company in America to do it that way. That was nuts. Right. And by the way, that same place, I don't care if it was, you know, Puma, Nike, name your brand a t-shirt, they all got made in the same place. Mm. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we've done that for years. You know, Ford moved and, and GM moved plants down to Mexico and Brazil and all yeah. kinds of places because it was cheaper to assemble the cars down there. And probably still is cheaper to assemble oh, the cars I'll down there. I'll tell you there. what, driving from the Monterey airport into Monterey, it was nothing but American car companies down there. It was unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. Well, they go where the labor is cheaper. Yep. And or there's less bureaucratic rules and administrative EPA, yep. things like that, the other agencies that they have to deal with, of course. And they may have, I don't know if there are union plants down there or not, but they might be non-union plants. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're I'm right. pretty sure they're not. I'm pretty sure they're Probably not UAW. And that's, you know, that's a big cost issue for, for somebody like Ford, you know, when you're paying. I'm sure labor is a huge part of their. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, when you've got. overhead, yeah. And the legacy people up here on the pension system and everything else, you've got a huge overhead costs for UAW workers, you know, 35 an hour, 40 an hour, whatever it might be, plus overtime, plus benefits and all that stuff. And in Mexico, they're probably paying five bucks an hour or less. Uh, I would have to guess. Well, I know when when I was working in hospitals down there, the nurses were making the equivalent of about $60 a week. Wow. That's not good money even in Mexico. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. But a reminder, if you'd like a free copy of today's book, Dividend Investing Made Easy, well, it can be yours absolutely free. Just call Dan's office at 918-398-8387. Do be sure and leave your name and address because it's Sunday and the office is closed. But they will send you that book if you leave the name and address. 918-398-8387. This is Money Talk on News 1023 KRMG. Oh, 
Welcome back to Money Talk here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Coming up in a little over nine minutes, your top stories in the KRMG 24-hour Fox News Center. And your forecast from Fox 23, and I'm just going to give you the preview. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot today. In fact, we are under a heat advisory from the National Weather Service from 1 until 7. Heat indices of 105 to 108 possible. Drink lots of water, my friends. Stay tuned. Coming up next hour, Fox News Sunday. Your host for Money Talk is Mr. Dan Witham. I'm here. <laughs> I'm glad. You You're I'm here every darn Sunday, just darn near. Yes. Now, Steve might flake off on us every now and then, go I'm to a, a football game in Alabama or whatever. I am unreliable. But by golly, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Let's just say you're a busy, busy man. But Dan gives okay. away books. What do our you free book this week, Dividend Investing Made Easy. We'll send you a free copy of this book and our report on the dividend stocks recommended by the author, the current list of stocks recommended by the author, blue chip stocks that pay good, good, good dividends, and more importantly, that grow those dividends year in and year out and have done so for over 25 years, each of them, some as long as 50 or 60 years. It's all free. Just give me a call at 918-398-8387. That's 918-398-8387. Just leave your name and your address when you get our voicemail, and we will send you the book and the information for free. And I get to do the books this week because Michael just is taking off in about a minute here for Florida for the week. My son. Oh, okay. He's skipping town, going to Destin for a week. Well, enjoy your trip, Michael. Safe journeys. Yeah, he, he probably can't hear us. He's in Oklahoma City, so he probably can't hear us. He could if he had the KRMG app. That's right, just like I do. I'd just text him. the word app to 95920. <laughs> My boss will be so happy we mentioned that. I'd have to show him what AM radio is. <laughs> AM works as well. So, uh, yep. anyhow, I was talking before the break. I referred to somebody who's done very, very well with dividend investing. And I want to go over this, who this person is. There's a place called Battleboro, Vermont. It is a town of 12,046 people, according to Wikipedia. Okay. It's on the New Hampshire border with Vermont. And my geography in that area is pretty weak, so it's forgive me. It's way up north on the east. It's way up northeast. I know somewhere up there in that area, yes. Okay. He died in 2014. Ronald Reed was his name. He died in 2014, four All years right. ago. Okay. He had worked the first half as, of his life as a gas station attendant, the second half as a janitor at JCPenney. His top pay was $13 per hour, Steve. All right. Before taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. He bought dividend stocks his entire life. When he died, he left $4.8 million to the hospital. Oh, my gosh. And $1.4 million to the library. Wow. And another one point six to his heirs. And so, Governor Cuomo... <laughs> When you say America was never great, yeah. that's exactly why it was great, because only in America can you do that. He had blue chip stocks. He had a portfolio of over $8 million wow. when he died. And he did that, I'll bet, by investing a little bit at a time, yes. holding it. Had that's a plan. Right. Yes. Stuck right. with his plan and was quite successful. His monthly income was over $20,000. Oh, my gosh. He was making $13 an hour working, yep. but he was bringing home over 20000 a month. Man, <laughs> and Not he bad. kept working, which I is. think is yeah. kind of cool. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm going to drive my Mercedes down to J.C. Penney and mop the floors now. <laughs> well, like, wow. but the thing is, he lived below his means. The two things we've talked about on the show a lot: he lived mm-hmm. below his means. He obviously saved quite a bit of money, and he invested wisely. And he didn't 
freak out and panic. He didn't do anything stupid along the way. He pretty, that's evident that he was a pretty good investor, obviously. He knew right. what he was doing. And uh, he accumulated wealth. He didn't spend all of it. He reinvested most of his money, I'd say. Probably reinvested back into the portfolio by the size of his portfolio, I'm guessing. He started with zero and amassed $8 million. That's pretty astounding. On $13 an hour yeah. or less. You know, he probably yeah. lived on that. Thirteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and, I'll bet he did. And just I left the investments alone. Well, they, there was. I read a story about him this morning, and they said that when he went to into town to buy his breakfast one day, he wore such old clothing that somebody paid for his paid breakfast for, for him because people would buy him his breakfast because they didn't think he could afford it. Wow. <laughs> so, little it's did like, they know. Yeah, and that's yeah. also could buy and sell you eighteen yeah. times. <laughs> and, and, and again, that's another reason why America is great because people do stuff like that. Yes, and absolutely. And this guy drove an old car. You know, he wore clothes that were old. He didn't spend a lot of money. Obviously, he lived well below his means. And that's what I always tell people: what you do has a lot more to do with what you'll end up with than what I do as your advisor. Right. What you do is what matters. What I do has a little bit of in- input, but not nearly as much as what the client does. And he left millions of dollars to the hospital. Yes. And to the library. Yes. He took care of his family, but the bulk of that money was given away to, you know, other folks. I think that's a really cool story. What was his name again? Ronald Reed. He left 6.2 million to the library and the hospital total. 6.2 million. That's very cool. That's a pretty good charitable gift, I'd say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And still paid his fair share. Yeah, he did. And so he was not the guy wasn't stupid. No, he was he not. He was pretty smart. And it's an example for anybody to live by. And, you know, I've dealt with a lady here uh, who's a school teacher who amassed over well over a million dollars. She's still living and she's amassed a portfolio of well over a million dollars on her school teacher's salary. And that was on the old salary before the recent pay raise, of course, I'm referring to that they're getting this year. I think it is. Uh, but, you know, people do it. They can do it. They just have to be conscious and cognizant of where they spend their money. Steve, you know, I think most people... Probably 90% of the people listening to this show probably don't have a budget. I agree with that. I mean, sometimes I wonder if our government even has a budget because they don't seem to act like it, the state and the federal. I'm referring to both in, the, in that statement. But, you know, the first thing we have to do is sit down and make a budget because until you do that, you really don't know where the money's going. It's easy to end up at the end of the month with no money and not know where it went. Well, I think the government budget is kind of like the pirate code in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> it's not really a code. It's just a suggestion. And that's that's kind of the government budget. These aren't rules. They're yeah, they're not rules. They're just kind of suggestions. Well, you may be right. And, and, you know, that may be the way they operate. But I often wonder about it. And, and, you know, we wonder about the legislative process. And I know you were talking, we were talking off air, Russell, about the governor election, about mm-hmm. what they're mm-hmm. going to have find out when they get down there. You know, our our state government for the last four years, at least, has been rather dysfunctional, to say the least. To put it kindly. Yeah, to put it kindly. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm putting down the Republicans, which is the party of my choice, shall we say, but they've been dysfunctional. It is what it they're, is. They're in control of the branches of government down there. but They're in control of every statewide every committee, elected yeah. office there is and, uh, and the legislature. So, yeah, and yet we saw that last legislative session, which I sit in the newsroom and watch hours and hours of floor debates and stuff, was crazy. It was crazy. Well, and the last, was that the one when they voted the teacher pay raises and all that stuff? Yeah, among other things, yes. Okay, so that was kind of a crazy session because they're popping up bills and about all kinds of different things. Well, and we had a a regular session concurrent with a special session after the first special session that didn't get done with the governor. I mean, it was was interesting, let's put it that way. (laughs) It was fun to watch. Yeah, and it, it was quite a... Quite an interesting event with OEA down there, you know, politicking or doing whatever you want to call it that they do. I call it politicking. They may call it organizing. I don't know. Lobbying, whatever. I call it a strike. They call it a walkout. But (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's the same thing, no matter what you call it. Anyhow, it's it was a very interesting dynamic, and it was different than what we normally see. You know, we saw that with 1017 many, many years ago. Yeah. Was that like 89 or 90? Uh, yeah, I want to say late 80s. Something like that. That's right when I moved to Tulsa. It was when that when the, I moved here in 89, so it had to be around that time, I'm guessing. But, you know, 1017 we thought was going to solve all our problems, and I'll bet money that this go-around won't solve all our problems either with education. Oh, no. I mean, I spoke with um, Superintendent State Superintendent Hoffmeister this week. I spoke with Tulsa Superintendent Deborah Gist, and they both told me, yeah, I mean, the raise is great, and nobody's complaining about that, but it does not solve all the problems. And, oh, by the way, it took several years to get to where we are. Nothing's going to fix it overnight. It's going to take some time. And uh, I don't know. But, but they do have the solution every year. Give us more money. Just give yes. us more. It's we don't know more. how much more. Just give us more. <laughs> Just more, 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 more. More money solves every problem. That's right. You'll make your problems go away. Um, it's it's very interesting to see the dynamic that, that has happened, that has transpired here. And, you know, people are very emotional and it's very charged subject. Oh, absolutely. For everybody, for, for all, all the people in the state of Oklahoma. And, and, and by the way, if you think that giving the teachers a raise solved the teacher shortage. <laughs> no. 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 As of to. Thursday, the, the state had set another new record for emergency teaching certifications. Yeah, I saw Tulsa Public Schools has like 300 and some. Yeah, Tulsa's actually not doing that badly, but statewide, right. um, you know, the numbers are just crazy. And r- remember, we go back, what, se- seven years, there were 32 emergency teacher certifications. Think, this year, we're over, I believe it's over 2,100. Right. I think part of the problem may be that we might just have a teacher shortage nationwide. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a national problem or not, but I do know that a whole passel of Oklahoma teachers um, moved on. We've got to take a quick time out. If you'd like a free copy of today's book, Dividend Investing Made Easy, call Dan's office at 918-398-8387. Do be sure and leave your name and address. 918-398-8387. More money talk after the news. Welcome back to Money Talk here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. I'm Russell Mills. Coming up in less than half an hour, do stay tuned for Fox News Sunday. I am guessing they will be discussing the passing of Republican United States Senator and war hero John McCain. If you have any questions for us today on Money Talk, you can text us at 95920. Or maybe you have a comment like the nice person in Oklahoma City who texted us and said, we're listening in Oklahoma City on 740 AM. Thank you so much. That's why we always remind folks we are on the AM and the FM dial. And you might want to remind them what the book is this week. I can do that. The free book this week, Dividend Investing Made Easy. You can get a free copy of this book and learn how to do easy dividend investing. And we'll also send you information, the list of the stocks the author recommends, the current list of blue chip dividend stocks he recommends for you to look at. It's all free. Just give me a call at 918-398-8387. 918-398-8387. Just leave us your name and address, and we will send that out to you right away. I'll be doing it tomorrow, I should say, since Michael's, Michael's en route to Florida on his way via to Oklahoma vacation. City. So, yeah. Hey, Steve, you mentioned taxes in the last segment. A couple of times. Yes. I'm going to talk about taxes and why dividends are more attractive than CDs for many reasons, but taxes being one of them. The capital gains rate. Dividends have a special tax rate. It's referred to as the dividend tax rate, but it's the same as the cap gains rate. So whatever right. your capital gains rate is, long-term capital gains, 
is your dividend rate of taxation. Which is lower than the standard. Always lower than ordinary income rate, okay. yes. Now, the alternative is ordinary income, which is the higher rate. If you have a CD, Russell, and you buy a CD and Steve buys a stock, let's just say, and they pay the same amount of dividend, both pay you know, with 3% or whatever it might be, uh, he pays less in taxes than you will pay every year because you're going to pay ordinary income. So if you're a single filer, let's say you both file individually as not married, under 38600 if your income is below 38600 your cap gains rate is zero. That's a good rate. I like zero. That is hard to beat. But your ordinary income rate on your CD, Russell, is 12%. Oh, wow. So you can pay zero or you can pay 12%. How come Steve gets to win this scenario? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, Steve don't win very often. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to take it. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to change it here in a second. Okay. okay. From 38600 to 425000 if you're a single, your cap gains rate is 15%. That covers the bulk of people probably in the country, right. I'd say 90% right. of them, 15%. That's compared to the top rate on ordinary income of 35%, which is a huge difference, a you know, 20% difference in the tax rate on the two. So the person with dividends is, gets to keep a lot more of their money. They pay 15% on that. But now let's see what happens if you're married, Russell. If you're both married... Up to 77000 in income, below 77200 your cap gains rate is zero. There's a lot of folks that fall into that category. Mr. Reed in Vermont would have fallen under that. Yes, easily fallen into that, you know, I imagine. But anyhow, your cap gains rate is zero from uh, from zero to 77200 if your income is below seventy seven For a married couple filing joint, that is, okay? And your ordinary income tax rate would be up to 12% on that. Then you jump from seventy-seven thousand up to four seventy-nine if you're married. Fifteen percent cap gains rate, thirty-five percent ordinary income rate. So the dividends are always better off. You're always better off getting the dividends than your RCD if the if the income's the same. Let's just say that. Now, granted, the risk of the two is not the same. Dividend, you know, stocks have more risk to them than CDs do, and I want to be upfront about that, obviously. But you get to keep a lot more of your money. But the other advantage is, what happens to dividends over time compared to CD rates? Let's look at that for a minute. So what happens to your income right? if you're living off dividends versus CDs? Okay. If we go back 20 years, I mentioned earlier, the one-year CD in 1998 was paying 4.95%. So 5% roughly. Right. And that was the national average. I'm using national averages here, not local rates. Today, that same rate, the one-year CD is 0.72. That's the national average. Yeah. Now, you can get higher rates at different certain banks around town. I know that because I've seen them in town. But 0.72 is the national average. So it's gone down 4.26% or an 86% decrease. So if you're living on CDs and you're just living off the income and you're not reinvesting, it, you're living off yeah. the income, you're spending the income every year, the interest income, your interest on $200,000, your income, if you will, on $200,000 portfolio has gone from 9900 a year in 1998 down to $1,440 a year whoa, whoa, whoa. today. And that's before inflation. Man. Okay, so you've taken a 87% hit. Now, if we factor in inflation, your in, after-inflation number is $783 a year from 9900 down to 7783 And that's on a $200,000 right. investment. So how much did your portfolio grow by, your CDs grow by, oh Steve, over that gosh. period? They didn't grow, right? Uh, you were right. taking the dividends. You were That's spending right. the interest on them. So you still have a $200,000 portfolio. That's right. That's now giving you $1,440 a year in income. So let's say instead you took that money in 98 and you dropped it into the S&P 500. All right. And you didn't touch it. 
You said, I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to spend the dividends, which is what you did with the CD exam. And let's clarify, you can't actually invest directly in right. the S&P. But you're going to buy an S&P but fund. Let's did. just say okay. an S&P 500 index fund okay, okay. that replicates the S&P 500. Okay. Your dividends started out at, uh, I think it was 3400 a year back in 1998, okay, on $200,000. Okay. Today, they're over $20,000 a year. Wow. They grew at 6.69% 6.69% per year. The dividend rate grew. But at the same time, your principal was growing also. So the dividend rate's increasing and the principal amount's increasing that it's paid on. Does that make sense? So growing up, your actual dividends are going up at over 10% per year over that period. And your $200,000 portfolio that you had back then is now worth $1.4 million. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you did a little bit better than the CD example, as you can in, see. And you paid less taxes along the way. And interest is compounding every year, right? Yes. Which, which is why it's growing like that. Absolutely. Well, it's it's the growth of the stocks. It's yeah. the growth of the companies, the earnings that the companies are making. So their stock price keeps going up and keeps going up, and, you're, and they keep increasing their dividends at the same time. So your dividends go up, you know, uh, and so, but also you have the value of the stock going up. So it's you're getting more on a bigger piece. More dividends on a bigger piece of the pie, so to speak, every year. The pie keeps growing and growing and growing is what I'm referring to, the S&P. And so your portfolio grows from 200000 to $1.4 million. It increases about 700% over that same time frame. So the CD person who wants to be conservative and safe. Got annihilated. Man. They got their uh, clock clean. And, and the value of that CD is still $200,000. Before inflation. Before inflation. After inflation, it's the, half that. The stock know, guy, $1.4 million. Yes. Wow. So Some decisions make themselves. That's right. And this, this is what goes back to, you know, many people are terrified of the market, and so they will buy CDs. But the folly of that is they think they're getting security. But in the end, in this example, the person with the S&P had a lot more security at the end of the day than the person that bought the CD. Sure. So the question is, what's the objective? Is the objective to keep to not have fluctuations in your portfolio, or is the objective to increase your income over time? All about making money, bro. Well, it's about the income. Yep. I mean, people own assets like buildings or cars or stocks, whatever they might be, in order to get an income from those assets. That's generally, especially investments. That's why we have them, stocks and bonds and things. We do that for the income that they generate. Well, that income in, in the S&P example generated grew over 10% per year over a 20-year period. On the CD portion, it declined basically every year is what it did. It basically went down you know, by 86%, 87% over a 20-year period. Yeah. Well, Given the choice, I think I'll, I'll take option A, the <laughs> S&P, over the option B, which is the decline of, you know, 87%. In the, the S&P example, the, the income went up by 600% over that period. So why would somebody even do the CD thing? People do them every day. You know, because I, they, it's perception of risk. What do they think the risk is? They think the risk that the stock market is risky because it fluctuates. They're not looking at what the real risk is, which is how much are they going to make at the end of the day? How much is their income going to go up? Where is the risk at? We Sometimes we mistake, we mistake what we think is the risk for the real risk. See, you know, years ago when my mother was alive, I, I would kind of think, okay, the people that lived through the Great Depression, I mean, they're, they're much better money managers because of their lives and what they went through. And CDs seem like a safe thing to do. And it's right. conservative and guaranteed and all that stuff. So um, that seemed like a good thing for them. But but I would think as we go on here that really fewer and fewer people would do that. I mean, because the the bank's making a ton of money off your two hundred thousand dollars or your or your ten thousand dollars or whatever it is you put in the bank, they're giving you less than a percent and they're making a, a ton off your money. Absolutely. And some people just cannot handle 
the fluctuation in values of their stocks. And, you know, I've said this before, Steve, that I think that the Internet and having stock prices on our phone is to our detriment. Yeah, I agree. Because I think it hurts more people than it helps. Because if you couldn't see your portfolio, Steve, and I told you to give me your money and I invested, I'd say, call me in a year and I'll give you the value of your portfolio, you'd do better off than if you looked at it every day. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, you wouldn't be inclined to panic and do something, you know, get out or do something that would hurt you. And for many people, it really works against them. Having all that data thrown at them really works against them, especially when your phone starts blowing up and it's 2008 or something and you're watching the news on TV on 50 different channels and you're getting text messages telling you what's happening to your portfolio at the same time. It's to your detriment for most people. You know, back in the day, investing was a lot easier. They didn't do day trading. They didn't do stuff like that. It was too expensive to day trade. Nobody did it. And you didn't have the data. You didn't have the access, accessibility to the data to actually day trade like you do now. And so it, we do a lot of things that don't work to our advantage. We may think they work for us, but in reality, I think they work against us. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. If you'd like a free copy of today's book, which is entitled Dividend Investing Made Easy. He's also going to send you a list of the dividend stocks that the author of that book is recommending right now. Well, he can get all that free by calling Dan's office at 918-398-8387. You do have to leave your name and address so they know where to send the book. That number again, 918-398-8387. More money talk coming up next on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Welcome back to Money Talk here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Coming up here in 10 minutes, almost on the button. Your top stories of the KRMG 24-hour Fox News Center and your forecast from Fox 23. A reminder, National Weather Service has issued a heat advisory for the Tulsa metropolitan area. goes into effect at 1 p.m., lasts until 7 p.m. this evening. After that, after we're done, your top stories in the KRMG 24-hour Fox News Center. And stay tuned, next hour, Fox News Sunday. We've got news about a book that Dan's giving away today. That's right. I can do that. Okay, take we it away. a great book, Dividend Investing Made Easy. Get a steadily increasing cash flow from America's best companies. We'll send you a copy of this book and the information in the report on the stocks recommended by the author, Current Blue Chip Stocks. And we'll send that out to you for free. Just give me a call at 918 398-8387. That's 918-398-8387. Just leave your name and your address when you get our voicemail, and we'll send that information to you absolutely free, no cost, no obligation whatsoever. Steve, you mentioned, made reference to somebody from the Depression. Your mother, you're talking I about did. your mother and somebody from the Depression. My, my parents grew up during the Depression also. Our individual past plays a large part in determining our investment future, I would say. The experiences we've encountered growing up and in the adult world affects our viewpoint regarding Absolutely. investing. I'm going to give you two examples here. Uh, Johnny grows up watching mom and dad invest successfully for many years. Mom and dad accumulate about $2 million nest egg before retiring and then live happily ever after in spite of being married. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it and I didn't. <laughs> okay. Wow. Anyhow, Johnny, you know, Johnny uh, can't wait to get for each paycheck to contribute to his 401k. His faith in the markets is unflappable. He doesn't fear market corrections. He knows how the movie ends, meaning that the, mar the market goes up, eventually continues onward and upward. Susie, however, grows up in a different era and has a rather different experience. Her parents work hard, invest their money in stocks, just like Johnny's do. Then along comes a market crash and it wipes them out. They can no longer afford their lifestyle and are forced to make dramatic changes to their lifestyle. 
Now, how do you think Susie's going to invest her money? Not the same. She may not invest at all. That she's going to buy right, CDs. Right. She's going to be your CD buyer right there. You know, the person who's not going to go near the stock market. And he's going to put it in, the, in a safe, in the closet, or in the mattress, and bury it in the backyard in a can. Uh, most people have experiences that are somewhere between these two extremes. Now, I've given you extreme examples just to make a point. But the point is, here's what we have to remember. <clears throat> Regardless of your experience, Steve, yours is different than Russell's, and this is different than mine, right? Right. As far as investment experience. People always ask me why, how I feel about risk, and I'm like, well, my risk is not the same as the client's because I have much more experience with investing. Because, so that gives me more of a comfort level right. uh, than most people have, which is understandable. A, the market doesn't care, doesn't know who you are, Steve. B, the market doesn't care who you are. C, it doesn't know what your experience with investing is. D, it doesn't care what your experience with investing <laughs> is. And E, most important, the market will allow you to repeat your mistakes over and over again like a broken record. The market will never tell you to stop. Think about that. Well, that's right. It will never tell you to stop making your mistakes. Nobody will. And number F, capitalism is not a zero-sum game. Neither is the stock market. G, the stock prices of companies go up because their earnings and dividends increase over time. And we saw this from... 09 through this year, we saw a lot of this. I get the question I get asked a lot is, why is the market doing well if the economy is not? And I've tried to explain this. There's a disconnect between the two. There's two employment things. Well, in terms of employment, yes. And the market goes up because companies that cut people in 2008 have, have increased their sales and their profits since then without having to hire all those people back that they had on board in 2008. They found new efficiencies. Right. They, they're just doing more with less, so to speak, for lack of a better term. So they didn't hire all those people back, so the jobs numbers aren't as encouraging as the earnings from the companies. Are they're, they're not necessarily connected. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say here? Yep. And, and that's why you'll see the, the market can go up while the economy may or may not go up. It just depends. And I know a lot of people forecasted doom and gloom when Obama got elected. It didn't happen for the market. You know, it didn't happen, obviously. He wasn't death to the stock market. Uh, he didn't do anything too terrible to the stock market. And I'm not sure any president has too much control over the stock market, quite frankly, either. I'm not going to say that they do. I don't think they do. But the market is mostly, you know, emotional reactions to news stories, whether they're good or bad. And the, the next thing I want to point out is investing doesn't take place in the market. Now think about this. Investing doesn't take place in the market. It takes place in that five inches between your ears. Where the, where the gray matter is. Good point. That's where all the decisions are made. That's where the good decisions are made, and that's where the bad decisions are made as well. Now, we don't always want to admit that. We don't always want to take the credit or the blame for the things we do. Uh, and, you know, a lot of investors refuse to take blame for their bad decisions. I see it all the time. We live in a state of denial, many of us do, as far as investing goes. But I will tell you, you can take a good strategy and get a bad result, and you can take a bad strategy and get a good result. But over time. Over time. Well, you can do this over time with both. You can take a really good strategy and have it for 10 or 20 years and not get good results. You can have a bad strategy over 10 or 20 years and get excellent results. The difference is whether you follow the strategy or not. So if you, if you have a good strategy and you use it for 10 or 20 years but you don't follow it, you're still not going to get a good result. Does that make sense? But if you have a bad strategy and you do follow it, you'll probably end up with a good result at the end of the day. It may not be as good as the best performing strategy, but you'll probably still end up with a pretty good result. Yeah, but if you have a good strategy and you don't follow it, you don't have a good strategy. 
Well, you, true. I mean, you, you have no not strategy. It. You're not following yeah. it, and that's the problem. Then you're you're acting on whim and emotion, and you're really not following any method at all, except for the news stories, the news cycle, which. I hate to say it, it's not the best way to invest. That's not a strategy. That's not a strategy. That's not a good way to invest. And this is why people crack me up when they call me up and say, I'm going to go buy gold. And I'll say, why are you going to buy gold? And they'll say, well, the market's going to tank. And the next question I ask is, why? Why do you feel that way? And they'll say, well, so-and-so said this. Or somebody said, I went to, and somebody called me a while back. A client called me up and she said, I went to an annuity seminar. And the guy said, the market's going to crash. And I said, well, let me guess. He wanted you to buy an annuity. (laughs) Imagine that. The sky is falling. Yeah. So he wanted you to buy this annuity that he was claiming was guaranteed and all this other stuff. And I was like, well, there's a reason he's telling you what he's telling you. Because it fits right in with his story and his commission. It follows. It flows through to a commission right. to him at the end of the day, and there's a reason he's telling you the market's going to crash. And I, and I said, did he give you any explanation as to why? And of course, the answer was no. He just said the market was going to crash, and that he showed quotes from different people like Mark Faber and these other types that always yeah. say the market's going to crash. I've said this for 20 years and haven't ever changed the tune. Uh, but you know, when you if you think the market's going to correct or do something, you, you need to have a, re, a rationale for why you think that might be. And for many years, people tell me because the Fed was easing and printing money, whatever you want to call it. Well, the market didn't crash because of that. It obviously didn't happen. People told me it was going to crash because Obama got elected. It didn't happen. You know, people told me the market was going to crash when Trump got elected. A lady did. It didn't happen either. So you have to make sure that your basis, your methodology is sound. And more importantly, you have to make sure that you follow it. No matter what it is, it could be the worst strategy in the world. But if you follow it, you'll probably get a good result. And by the, the way, day. if anybody could predict what the heck the market was going to do in the future, they'd be very, very rich people. Correct. We and don't predict. We respond. Right? Right. Because you, you have to. You it's can't like predict. the weather. You can sort of guess at what's going to happen, but you've got no control ultimately over the forces that create all that. Absolutely. So yeah, you just have to kind of deal. All right. Well, uh, that is another Sunday for Money Talk. We are playing this the anthem of the United States Navy. The song is called Anchors Away. It is a tribute to United Senator and former Navy pilot John McCain, who passed away at the age of 81. Quick reminder, if you'd like a free copy of today's book, Dividend Investing Made Easy, call Dan's office, 918-398-8387. Do be sure and leave your name and address. 918-398-8387. More Money Talk next week on News 1023 KRMG. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.